Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. Lift them up, lift them up, lift them up. Hallelujah. God bless you. Remain standing, if you would, for the reading of the word of God. And there are three scriptures that I'd like for you to find. Matthew chapter 26, Romans chapter 12, and James chapter 4. Just about one or two verses in each place, but we're going to be dealing with these texts today. Matthew chapter 26, Romans chapter 12, and James chapter 4. We're going to begin in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 26, and notice if you would, verse number 39. Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 39. When you're there, say amen. amen. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Finally, in the book of James, chapter number 4, and verse number 15. James, chapter 4, and verse number 15. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this, and do that. I want to use for a thought today, where is his will? You can be seated. Just ask somebody beside you, where is his will? One of the most challenging journeys any of us will take is the journey of finding the will of God. Knowing the will of God, finding the will of God, 
and living in the will of God is a journey. I would dare say it is a lifetime journey. Knowing the will of God for your life and knowing that you are centered in the will of God is a journey that in some respects you may not know the full essence until you get to heaven. You know, when you get to heaven, then God's going to say, well, you should have taken a left when you took a right. <laughs> you should have gone north when you went south. Because it's a journey. And, and, and I know there are people sometimes that will tell you, I know for a fact that I'm centered in the will of God. But there are a lot of decisions that come across us that challenge us, that, that believe it or not, they look right. In fact, the Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto a man. It has the appearance. It sounds right. When you run it by other people, it seems to them to be right. Hallelujah. But the Bible says the end thereof are the ways of death, meaning that I can be in the mindset that I'm really trying to do God's will. And, and if I could be honest, sometimes we fail. We fail trying to do the will of God. It's a journey that to a great degree is challenging and it's challenging because in the journey, there are a lot of distractions in finding the will of God. Um, it, it's just like anything else. And, and you can drive, and, and I drive a lot. I spent all, I, I've been on the road since Thursday night, and I drove to Kenneth Square, and from Kenneth Square to um, Westchester, from Westchester um, to, to um, Largo, from Largo to Washington, from Washington to Landover, from Landover home. So I, I, I've been driving a lot, and I've been relying on my GPS to give me direction and to tell me if I was going right. And, and I'll be honest, a couple of times I missed the turn. Come on, somebody. Got the GPS in front of me, got the GPS telling me which way to go, and I got confused or distracted by a light, by something going by, by a conversation that Lady Davis and I might have been having, and I missed the turn. But I was able to turn around. Come on, somebody. There's a lesson in that. You can miss the turn, but you can always turn around. You can always turn around because the goal is to find the will of God. That's the goal. That's the goal. I don't want anything else in my life other than the will of God. But, but it takes a while. If I could be honest, it takes a while before you really understand how important it is to be in the will of God. Because you have to fathom and get through and, 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 and face the challenges and the distractions. And I came up with three, and, and there's probably more, but these are the three I came up with in my prayer. The first one is distraction number one, my personal will versus the will of God. Now, I need somebody to be honest. How many of you have wanted things that you discovered were not in God's will? How many of you were doing things that you discovered were not in God's will? Hallelujah. But you wanted it. You liked it. You chased it. Somebody be honest with me. It, 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 it didn't chase you. You chased it. Come on, somebody. Because there was something in you that wanted something more than you wanted the will of God. That, that's the struggle with most of us in the church, that we're saved and we want to serve God, but we still have all these desires out there that are pulling at us and grappling at us that sometimes are not in the will of God. And so, in all honesty, the biggest fight that you will have is surrendering your will to the will of God. 
That, that's the fight. That's the fight. That, that, that's the lifetime fight, whether you're 15 or 55 or 85. That, that struggle between my will and the will of God is, is, a, is a challenging struggle because most of us, oh, I hear you, Holy Ghost, think we know what it will take to make us happy. We think we know it. Because, and, 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 we, and we get mad when people try to tell us to do stuff that we don't want to do and tell us it's going to be good. But you don't know me. Y'all ever said that? You, you, you don't know me. You're talking about you. That's what you like. But that's not what I like. And, and, and if I could be honest, we've had that same conversation with God. You know, we, we're just a little more respectful when we say it to God. And we say, that, that, that's, that's not what I want, God. You're you, you giving me stuff that I don't want. You're telling me to step away from things that are not really for me. And, and you're trying to presume when, when, and it's struggling because God has given us a will. And the, the toughest battle you will fight spiritually is the alignment of your will to the will of God. But I'm, I'm going to prophesy to somebody. When you align your will to the will of God, the divine flow starts taking place. Come on, somebody. Because, you know, in order for water to flow properly, it, the pipes have to be aligned. If the pipes aren't joined together, then guess what? The water will flow and spill to the ground or spill to the floor. But when the, when, when the pipes are aligned, when God starts pouring out blessings, it's going to flow right into your life because your life is aligned with the will of God. Distraction number two, the desire of others to determine the will of God for you. Now, it, it, it's funny that people who can't get their own lives together got a whole lot to say about yours. Somebody help me in here. You ought to do this, and you ought to do that. You know, they, they, they telling me, Bishop, you ought to lose weight, and their buttons are popping, almost hit me in the eye. Come on, somebody. But, but I ought to lose weight. And, and they're right when they say that. I'm, I'm, I'm not being, being ugly about it. It's just the reality that sometimes it's so much easier to dictate behavior and choices for others rather than to deal with your own. And, and, and then I'm going to say this because it's the truth. Some people are afraid for you to truly get aligned with the will of God. So they want to keep you outside the will of God. They want to keep you away because they recognize the potential that is in you, that if you are flowing in God's purpose, God's plan, you are going to do something amazing just by being aligned with the will of God. And I'm going to be honest, everybody doesn't want God's will for your life. Some folk want you to be just outside the blessing. Some people want you just to be unaligned, disconnected from God. And, and that's why you have to make sure that if I'm receiving advice, if I'm receiving counsel, that that counsel is designed to bring me into God's will. Because anything short of that is cheating myself. Don't cheat yourself by not walking in God's will. Number three, Satan's attempt, this is a distraction, to keep you out of the will of God. Satan is working not just overtime, double time, triple time, to make sure that the saints are not aligned to God's will. 
comes to discourage. He comes to challenge. Sometimes he just outright lies. Anybody had the devil lie to you? Just lies to you to tell you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Now, if the devil is telling you not to do something, you ought to know what you ought to be doing. Come on, somebody. If the devil is trying to convince you not to follow, not to obey, not to have faith, not to believe God, not to worship, not to trust God, it's because he wants to make sure that you are not in the will of God. Think about this. You can be on the right trajectory and the enemy shows up. That's why Paul said, when I would do good, what evil is always present with me? Somewhere in the mix, there is Satan to distract, to destroy, to upset, to disrupt, all because he he doesn't want to see me blessed. He, you know, Satan's real goal, if I can be honest, is to have a church full of miserable people. He don't care if we go to church. Go to church. But everybody in the church be miserable. Everybody in the church be angry. Everybody in the church be disrupted and upset. Why? Because that's going to stop the flow of blessings. You know, saints, if we all get on one accord, there are miracles coming in our lives that even hell cannot stop. Hell tried, but when you align yourself to the will of God for your life, you've got a miracle coming into your life that even hell itself cannot stop. So we have to avoid the distractions. So the question that I'm trying to answer in this message is where is the will of God? Where is the will of God? Let's go to Matthew chapter 26 where Jesus is at Gethsemane. And this is right before he would begin what we call the passion, where he would be tried, convicted, beaten, mocked, ridiculed, and finally end up at the cross. Now, here's the part that some preachers won't tell you. There are some challenges to doing the will of God. And if you say, if you tell me you're in the will of God and it's easy, Either you lying or you're not in the will of God because the will of God has challenges. And I don't know if we tell people that in church enough. We tell them about the joy and the blessings and the favor, but I need to tell you as your pastor and as the shepherd that there are challenges to living the will of God. And if the will of God is not challenging you, it is probably not the will of God. So here is Jesus. And, 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 and surrender, or, or rather the relationship with God's will, starts with your relationship with God. How do you see God? And how do you relate to God? Jesus Christ, and I know sometimes we and apostolics get confused about the sonship, but the sonship is a part of our understanding of Jesus. And you really don't understand who Jesus is if you don't understand the sonship. I know we're so busy calling him Lord and Savior that we forget that Jesus in the flesh is the Son of God. Now, what's the relationship between father and son? My son is somewhere in this building. And, and, and my son honors me as his father. He respects me as his father. Even when I say things to my son that he doesn't like. All right, he's 30. 
He's 30. He's a grown man, got his own place, pay his own bills. But if, if you know what it's like to parent adult children, anybody got adult children? You still tell them things that perhaps they don't want to hear. But because they value the relationship between father and son or mother and daughter, they will correspond not so much out of the fact that I want to do it, but that's my father talking to me. And here is Jesus, the being, the image of God, but in relationship to the father, he was son. And so in that relationship, he was subordinate to the father. His coming on the earth, his dying at Calvary was the will of the father for the saving of humanity. And so he comes to the earth. He works miracles. He's God manifested in the flesh, but he didn't come just to bring sight to the blind, just to bring hearing to the deaf, just to cause those who could not speak to speak. He came for the redemption of humanity. That was the real assignment. And so here he is in Gethsemane. Now, understand that Jesus was both human and divine. The divinity had no problem with Calvary. You know why? Because the divinity wasn't going to feel it. So the divinity had no problem with Calvary. But the humanity understood pain. The humanity understood what it was like to be rejected. The humanity understood what it was like to be betrayed by one of your own. The humanity understood that, that the nails were going to hurt. Come on, somebody. He, the divinity was not going to protect him from the pain of the nails, from the scourge that would hit his back, from the nails in his feet, from the piercing in his side. And so he goes to Gethsemane like some of us do. How many of y'all been to Gethsemane? Well, you said, Lord, if you could get me away from this. Lord, if you could somehow keep this from happening. I don't know if y'all ever felt like that. Lord, if, if, I, if you can make it so I wouldn't feel it so bad. He goes to Gethsemane and the Bible says the pressure of the moment dropped him to his knees and he said, Father, if it be possible to let this cup pass from me. Now, I don't know how many of you prayed that, but I prayed this prayer. Lord, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to face this. This is going to hurt me. This is going to do damage to me. But I promise to do your will. I promise I would serve you. And if this is the cost of our relationship, because sometimes relationships cost you. Come on, somebody. Sometimes just to be connected to certain people has a cost attached to it. And, and, and some of us, if I could be honest, break the connection rather than to pay the cost. But because I love God, even though this is hurting me right now, I am not going to break my connection. But I'm going to say, nevertheless, not my will. Oh, somebody throw your hands and just say, yes, Lord. Oh, God, there's a price to that, yes. There's a cost to that, yes. You might lose a friend because you said yes. You might lose somebody you cherish just because you said yes. But because of the relationship, I'm choosing the will of God. We, now listen to me. This, this is important. 
because I don't want anybody to walk away saying that God forced me into something. Everybody in here has a choice. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't, don't let anybody deceive you. Nobody, to my knowledge, unless y'all tell me after service and I'll call the cops, nobody dragged you here by gunpoint, all right? Nobody baptized you against your will. Nobody prayed for you to receive the Holy Ghost, and you would not have received it had you not surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit. All of this is a matter of choice. And, and, and there are other, let me just be honest, there are other routes that are easier Let's complicate it. You can do it your way, your manner, the way you want to do it. But somebody wrote a song and said, I'd rather have Jesus. Anybody made that decision? Could be somewhere else doing something else, but I made a decision. I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. They wrote an old song. I decided to make Jesus my choice. Is there anybody in here that made a decision that, Lord, I'll serve you. It has cost me something to serve you, but yet I want to serve you. People don't understand me. People have hurt me. People have ridiculed me, but I, if I had it to do all over again, I would still choose Jesus. Oh, God, Jesus is my choice. Jesus is my choice. Because, and if you're choosing Jesus, you're choosing the will of God. Romans chapter 12, I'm moving. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Now, now, the word present means I offer it freely. It was not under duress. It was not by force. It was not by coercion. But I offered it freely. And, and, and I need you to get back to this notion as believers that, once again, none of us are prisoners. And, and I'm going to tell you this, and I, and I don't mean to be ugly or insulting, but if you want to go to hell, you can if that's really what you want to do, if that's really your ambition. In fact, the Bible says hell's enlarging itself. It's making room for you. Hell is the one place nobody's going to be turned away for lack of space. If that's where you really want to go, you know, they'll, they'll, you can make a reservation and you can go. In fact, a reservation's already been made for you to be lost. But I'm so glad Jesus canceled my reservation. I was on my way. Oh, God, but Jesus canceled the reservation. I was heading to the lake of fire, but Jesus canceled it. But the way he canceled it was I had to surrender to the will of God. I had to make that decision. And so Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. How many of you know you're saved by God's mercy? Oh, Shatama. I need a grateful witness that knows you don't deserve it. That's it. That's it. That's what grateful people do. I was supposed to be lost, but Jesus saved me. Come on. Where are the grateful folk in the house of God this morning that should have not made it, but God had mercy on your life? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Hallelujah. That based upon that relationship, I present my body. Nobody 
should have to drag you. I, I, I'm so sick of this um, group think that sometimes invades the church. You know, and what I mean by that is that we wait for others to do the things that we know we're supposed to do. So you wait for somebody sitting beside you to rejoice, and then you start rejoicing. Now, are you rejoicing because God's been good to you? Or are you rejoicing because everybody else is rejoicing? I like the folk that will just break out in the middle of the service at the most inconvenient time. We read the announcements and you start shouting. I like folk like that. We're trying to raise the money and you start dancing. Why? Because it's not the group thing. It's personal. I just thought about how good the Lord had been to me. I just thought about how he delivered me. I just thought about what he did in my life. And I'm not waiting for your permission. I came to present my Myself to the Lord anyway, Lord, you do it. I can't I came to give you the glory because I know you've been good. I know you've been good. That was not for your entertainment. That's because the Lord has been good to me. So I'm not waiting for you. Look down your road. Say, I ain't waiting for you. Oh, hallelujah. You might have an attitude today. You might have a, a corn on your toe. You might have somebody might have upset you. But I know the Lord has been good to me. And I know I owe him the glory. And I know I owe him the praise. Present your bodies. Everybody lift your hands and say, Lord, here I am. Present your bodies. Living sacrifice. Oh, Shatama. He's not asking you to die. He's asking you to live. Live for me. Love me. Serve me. Honor me. Live for me. Present your bodies. A living sacrifice. Holy. Oh, God. Who gives somebody a gift in a dirty bag. You gonna bring me a present? You gonna wrap it? Come on, somebody. You gonna put a bow on it? You gonna make it attractive? Because presentation matters. Come on, somebody. You know, Sister Darlene Taylor's father was a culinary chef. And I know in culinary, they just don't teach you to make the food taste good, they teach you to make the food look good. Come on, somebody. Because eating is, is, is the look, the presentation. You just don't slap the greens on one side and throw the chicken in the middle of it. You organize that thing and make it look attractive. So when I get the plate, my eyes like it, my nose likes it, and my tongue's going to like it. And how do we present God things, but they're in dirty bags. They're in dirty attitudes. They're in dirty behaviors. If I love God, I want what I give to God to be holy, to be sanctified, to be transformed by his power by his blood and yes saints holiness still matters holy and acceptable unto God you know th this thing I always this thought always comes to my mind when people tell me that I, and they testify I gave my life to the Lord but the follow-up question is did he accept it okay okay 
Y'all say, you're getting too deep today, Bishop. Everybody clapping because Johnny gave his life to the Lord. But the question is, did the Lord accept it? Because I need to tell you, God is not accepting everything that we're bringing. If it's not coming with a spirit of surrender, if it's not coming with submission, if it's not coming with holiness, if it's not coming with a desire to serve God, you can give it all you want, but God will not accept your life on your terms. If you want him to accept you, you have to say, yes, Lord, I'll do your will, I'll serve you. Because here's the truth of it. The will of God is a sacrifice. Anybody know that? If you don't know it, you ain't doing the will of God. If it's not costing you something to do God's will, if you're not denying yourself of something to do God's will, if you're not surrendering all to do God's will, he has not yet accepted your sacrifice. But look at this in Romans. I, I, I want to read this. Everybody find that, that scripture, Romans 12. And look at the latter part of verse 2. It says that ye might may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect. Everybody say perfect. Will of God. Now, here's our struggle. We want to do the will, but not the perfect will. For a lot of us, the perfect will means making some difficult choices. And so we do the outskirts will. I'm on the edge. We do the I'm trying the best that I can will. We're doing, but everybody else is doing it will. But the Bible commands the perfect will. Now, one of the problems in the church is in our attempt to make everybody feel comfortable, we don't tell them that God's not going to accept anything other than His perfect will. There are going to be a lot of folks, I, I know y'all didn't come to hear this, but you're going to hear it anyhow. There are going to be a lot of folks that missed the rapture and they were that close. They were that close. Good churchgoers, good members, gave their tithes and offering, supported all the programs, and God had everything but their heart. Now, I'm, I'm oh God, I hear you, Holy Ghost. The one thing you are keeping back from God is the one thing He wants. And, and these are the folk that when you talk to them, they'll tell you, well, I'm doing almost everything, but I got a problem with this. I'm doing almost everything, but I got a problem with that. Can I tell you, that's the thing God wants. That's what he told the rich young man. It was not that God was against riches, but he was in love with his riches. And God wants the thing that you are in love with because that says you love that more than you love him. So God will come for the very thing that you love. I love my red bicycle. I love, Tony, I love that red bicycle. It goes fast. And then God says, I want the red bicycle. Really, Jesus? You got to have a lot of bicycles. Why you want my red bicycle? Because you love that bicycle more than you love me. 
So I need you to give up the bicycle and fall. And you can substitute bicycle for anything else you want to substitute. Y'all know where I'm going with this. There's something that you love. And the question that I've come to is how do you find the perfect will of God? And before I go there, is there anybody here that wants the perfect will of God? Anybody want the perfect will? I don't want to be outside the will. I don't want to be beside the will, but I want the perfect will of God. And, 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 and as I thought about this, and I'm coming to my closing here, as I thought about this, the first thing the Lord said to me is tell the church that we have to humble ourselves. Oh, hallelujah. Because in our pride, we try to presume God's will. In our arrogance, we try to presume God's will. In our, in, in our lifting up our stature and trying to make our own decisions, we try to do God's will. But if you're going to walk and find the perfect will of God, you have to admit that by myself, I don't know the way. By myself, I don't know the direction. By myself, I don't know which way to go. I got, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Pastor Davis, I can't trust myself. Oh God, I can't trust myself just to make the decision by myself. But it takes me humbling myself and saying to God that I don't know where to go and I don't know how to do it. Oh my God, there's an old song that said, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from me, whither shall I go? I don't know which way to go. And I came to tell somebody that until you know the will of God, just stand still and wait. Don't make decisions. Don't try to do stuff. The Bible says, trust in the Lord. I'm in the book with all thine heart and lean not to thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him and he will direct thy path. When you come to the place where you say to Jesus, if you don't leave me, I don't know where to go. If you don't talk to me, I don't know what to do. If you don't speak to me, I'll mess up and make a mistake. But I'm searching for the will of God. I'm trying to do the will of God. I'm striving to do the will of God. And it may not please you. And it may not please you. But I made a decision that I want to live my life in the will of God. Come what may, my soul says yes. Come storm. Come tribulation. Come distress. I've had a hard time, but I'm thanking God for his will. Everybody won't understand you, but he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He's my God. In him will I trust. Don't say it if you don't mean it. But if you want God's will, lift your hands right now and say yes, Lord. If you want God's will, lift your hands up and say yes, Lord. If you want God's will, put your hands together. Shout hallelujah. That's number one. 
Number two, you got to learn how to obey the word of God. God's been troubling my heart. And maybe it's just me, but he's been troubling my heart about obedience because there's too many saints sitting up in church like they call the shots. Too many believers trying to live life their way. But you'll never be blessed until you obey the word. You'll never have peace until you obey the word. You, The devil will take control of your life until you obey the word. I need the Lord to help me to obey his will. To help me do what his word says. It's not always easy. It's not convenient. But where he leads me, I'll follow Trust him. Obey him. Honor him. Do what he said. And then, I'm closing. We got to surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. Because this is the Logos. It's the unchanging, unalterable word of God. And you can't Make the word fit where it doesn't fit. And we got too many situational believers in the church that say in their arrogance, well, I know the Bible says I shouldn't do thus and so, but God understands. I need y'all to find me that page in this book. You can use my Bible. Find me the page in the book that says you can be disobedient and stay in your disobedience and God understands. I'll wait. Come show me. I need you to show me in the book where God tolerates disobedience. When the Bible says that the sin of witchcraft or rebellion, rather, is like the sin of witchcraft. And you got folk, oh, I don't touch no Ouija boards. I don't touch no gooba dust. I don't read the horoscopes. But if you're living in rebellion, you may as well get a crystal ball in your house. Because it's the same sin. Because it undermines the sovereignty of God. Now, here's my dilemma. I know that the Holy Ghost doesn't fill a person until they surrender. Anybody know that? You at the altar crying and screaming and just hollering. Lord ain't deaf, but you just hollering. Save me, save me. Hallelujah. Nothing wrong with that. But the Lord is literally standing beside you saying, when you surrender, I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And we get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then we lose the surrender. So I'm puzzled. I'm going to say it because I'm puzzled. I'm puzzled that when you lose the surrender, do you lose the Holy Ghost? If he comes by being surrendered, why does he stay when we're in disobedience? 
Because the Bible says this. Let me just tell you. The Bible says, quench not the spirit. And saints, that means more than just get quickened when you're in prayer and worship. That means when the spirit is working in you and on you, that you say to the spirit, have your way. You might take me into some inconvenient places, but I'm saying to the Holy Ghost, have your way. You might deal with some stuff because, see, everybody got some stuff that we don't like to talk about. Anybody got some stuff you don't like talking about? But the Holy Ghost will start talking about your stuff. The Holy Ghost will tell you, you know, you got too much resentment in your heart against this one or that one. I could do more in your life if you would give up this particular habit that you keep indulging in. This person is not right for you. But, but, but I like her. We've been boys for years. He ain't right for you. And if you keep walking with him, because here's what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost does not leave a person. But when you take a direction, the Holy Ghost will not follow you everywhere. Come on, somebody. So come here, tell us the Holy Ghost. Tell us the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit is leading. Start leading. Start, start leading. Guiding me, directing me. But I get distracted by something else. And I'm trying to hold on to the Holy Ghost while he's trying to carry me in the will of God. But I'm... I'm, I'm attracted. I'm attracted. And he's going to pull a little bit, and I feel the pull. That's conviction. But I keep pulling against the Holy Ghost. And eventually, the Holy Ghost will let me have what I want. And I go all the way out here, and I look back and say, Holy Ghost, where'd you go? And he's saying, if you want me back, you got to come back where I how do you know this bishop because I've been there and done that I strayed from the spirit but when I realized I had abandoned his presence in my life I turned back to the Holy Ghost and because he loves me because he cares for me because he has compassion over me when I got back he received me when I got back he loved me when I got back he held me can I get a witness in the house Anybody knows what it's like to stray and be restored. To stray and be restored. To stray and be revived. Come on, stand on your feet. Give God the glory. Come on, stand on your feet. Give God the glory. Come on, stand on your feet. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336-570-3664. Again, that's 336-570-3664. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C. 27215. That's P.O. Box 
37252 or email us info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom. <laughs>